Look, do not touch. I went on a date one time, and the girl was touching the painting in the sculptures, and I just ran out. Long oh, uh, whole story. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at the Columbus Museum of Art, actually, I'm surprised we didn't get kicked out, right? Um, so not a good experience. Did you get lost in your feelings after? Oh, no, not no, even a little bit. She, no. I was just like, all right, well, we'll... We'll do a movie. Let's be more traditional here. Um, <laughs> she goes go. up and touches the screen. So that's... <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, a I'm a feely person. You have a problem, Right. Miss. And I'm like, uh, I'm not into this type of thrill-seeking. Sorry. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Lancelot's Roundtable. This is season two, I believe, episode 17, 16. It's episode 16. I had to look at, at my lovely assistant. Um, today, we are going to be talking about art. We're going to just go down the rabbit hole of, of art. So today, uh, Kim's here. Hey, everybody. Um, and today, I am pleased to welcome two really special guests, Tony Gardner and Brandon Jenkins to Hello. the round table. Hello, thank you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Welcome to the round table, fellas. So I'm going to start with you, Tony. Tony, why don't you go ahead and just tell the people who you are, anything you want to kind of, how you, however you want to intro yourself. I am a simple man. I am a God-fearing man. <laughs> I am a man, uh, a lover of all things, art, history, family genealogy. Mm-hmm. There's anything to be discovered, discussed. I'm in. I'm just yeah. a lover of life yeah. and things. Uh, I am. Um, went to college to be a social worker. Right. Been right. doing that for the last 10 plus years. Yep. And a uh, family man, God-fearing man, and just a man who loves life. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you coming on, Tony. It's great okay. to have you. Brandon, tell the folks about yourself. Um, well, I'm a God-fearing man, too. And uh, my exposure to art is pretty much listening to Tony talk about it, so... Um, he has a lot more experience than I. I'm more of a performing artist, so as far as fine art, I don't know too much about it, but I have been getting into like AI-created art, which, which we can get into later, artificial intelligence-created uh, art. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. We had a little bit of a technical glitch that we got worked out, but we are back now with Tony and Brandon. So, um, guys, we're going to be talking about art today, as we said. So, uh, Tony, why don't you just tell me how you got into art? More like how art healed me. Ooh. <laughs> Tell me more. So I um, spent three years working for Franklin County Children's Services, mm-hmm. and uh, I was the investigator. So when the cause of abuse and neglect came in, it's my job to go out and investigate it. Jeez. And so there are very many traumas known and not known that happened to that, yeah. uh, to a, a human being. Uh, seeing what uh, people do to the most uh, vulnerable in our population. And so that was really, really hard. I stuck with it for about three years. Uh-huh. And um, I decided I wanted to leave. But in the time before I left, I tried to advance, you know, to another position. But due to seniority, I could not. Yeah. And the funny thing is I couldn't fight it because I was vice president of the union. Oh. It's like, okay, well, time to go. <laughs> now, I'm not down in children's services. It's a wonderful place to work. Mm-hmm. The benefits are tremendous. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, the effects in uh, what you see there, if you don't have the right 
outlet, a good work-life balance, yeah, it could really, really, really change you a lot. And so it was time for me to go. How old were you during oh. those three years? Oh, I couldn't tell you. I'm so old now. <laughs> What's that? I mean, is that see. like fresh out of college? Um, is it like your first experience uh, with this? Kind of, yeah. But, I, you know, 20... No, I was in my 30s when I was there. You're I'm 37, 30s. so it's been a while. But still. Ish, late 30s, mid 30s, yeah. So, and you're, when you say abuse, are you talking kids or are you talking all over the place? Um, uh, children. It uh, is children. Yeah. And um, so... Wow. I just... Yeah. We're talking all kinds of abuse, cigarette burns, beat with objects, sexual abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse, all of the gambit. All of you the literally gambit. can get a call at any time when you're doing this, and then you just show up, and that's when you figure stuff out. The calls come in, and then so the good part is I didn't have to filter them. We went through a department, and then I got a report on my desk in the morning. Got it. Every morning, every morning. And at one time, I was dealing with 20 cases. Goodness gracious. Usually it's about the uh, average. Okay. And so I had to go through those along with hundreds of other people on the team and go through them that way. So we read, call, or we show up at the house. The more severe, you show up at the house. Kind of less severe, you make a phone call and then plan to show up at the house. Got it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Man. Yeah, so brutal. uh, uh, Yes, very brutal, (laughs) very brutal. And I think at the time I didn't have a good work-life balance. Sure. I was just coming home, working late, and not expressing myself, not spending time with friends, just nothing. I wasn't doing nothing, just the rat race. Yeah. Time is the rat race. Yeah. I wasn't really, I'm a different person now. Yeah. And so... That's how I got in. So how I got into art going forward from that is about around the time I graduated, so a little before then. My wow. wife's grandma is 96 years old. Wow. <laughs> when we graduated from college, um, Jesse and I, she said, now you guys are educated. Now it's time to be cultured. Uh-huh. And I was like, yes, ma'am. What does that mean? <laughs> well, what do you know about wine? What do you know about art? What do you know about antiques? What do you know about going to estate sales? What do you know about going to auctions? Yeah. And I was like, nothing. And so wow. she just took us under her wing for the last 10, 12 years, and that's what we've been doing with her. So literally you just didn't know anything going into this? I mean, I knew some famous artists, but I didn't have, a, I didn't have like my own style. I didn't paint. I didn't, but I evolved. So, yeah, it was a, I was a wow. little clueless in the beginning, yeah. Yeah. And so much to her... Not chagrin, but much to her teaching, we are cultured now, I'd like to say, <laughs> in the way she wanted us to be cultured, yeah. That's, that's amazing. So tell me, tell me a little bit more about just kind of how, how you progressed through that. So early years, right. was, it, was there certain types of art that you really got into? Was it more consuming art? Was it producing art? Was it both? So I like the visual arts. There are many, mm. many different types of arts, but I am a visual person. I love color. I love to see people's creativeness. I love impressionism. I love modern art. I just love it all. Yeah. Um, and I think going in her house and seeing all her artwork, and uh, I was like, all right, well, let's start here with these artists she likes, like mm-hmm. uh, Leland McCullen and uh, Brian Cohen and Alice Shilley and so on and so on and so on. So what is it about those types of artists that she likes? Uh, the color, first and foremost, I think it's because they're local. Oh, okay. They're local, 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 local artists. And if that's, that's who you want to have on your wall. Yeah. Let's say you know little about art and how to collect it. 
start local, just like you shop local. Mm. You want to do the same thing with the artists. Um, Columbus, very, very good place for art. Very, yeah. very big art scene downtown yeah. and surrounding areas. So, so she started with all the local artists and so did I. Um, to fast forward, so that was my little bit. So when I quit working at Children's Services, mm-hmm. I started selling art myself. That you made? Uh, no, not yet. Not at this point. I started just okay. like these artists you see here. I'm so sorry for you listeners. You can't see the beautiful artwork here. We'll have a picture. Yep. Um, but uh, potters um, and other artists, um, I started selling their artwork just for fun and mm-hmm. reselling and uh, made a living off of that for a while. But I also love the wow. watercolors. And so wow. every watercolor I saw that I liked... <laughs> It came home with me, <laughs> much to my dear sweet wife's chagrin. I'm like, hey, look what I got today. There's another one, babe. And it's like, where are we going to put this? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. We'll switch it out because our, our house is covered. Every wall has art on it. And so like every couple of months, I have to go through, switch it out, switch it out, switch it out. And then my dear sweet precious wife, um, for our anniversary in 2008, she got me my first uh, watercolor painting set. Wow. Uh, art, all the all the supplies I needed. And she's like, here you go. Make your own art. So like the thing that you set the thing on, the canvases, all of the brushes. Yeah. Is that where you do the Bob Ross thing that he has on his hand? Um, Different? No. That's for the Bob Ross did oils. Okay. And so watercolors are just little flat, sometimes circles, cubes, and you just dip the water in. And it's usually flat because it's a liquid. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I, okay. I usually tape it. Oh, I tape it down to the ground. Uh, not to the ground. Sorry, to the table. Yep. And uh, paint that way. Yep. Um, and then oh, between working, I was putting out three or four pieces, of watercolors, pieces of art a day. What? Yeah, for a year. What? <laughs> I just couldn't stop. So it was from inspiration. Like you were, you were pouring stuff out. Uh, yeah, I was. Wow. I was healing myself through art. Okay, talk to me <laughs> about that. that. So I started out in like a Picasso, the blue period. And that's where he started, but he had a period of blue from the morning of his friend and maybe other things that were going on in his life. Mm-hmm. And I would just draw little sad faces. They looked like a broken glass, a shattered mirror, mm. uh, blue with little faces on them. And mm-hmm. they looked like that or they looked like icebergs broke up in the water just floating around. Wow. And then it progressed to color. Yeah. And then to animals and then more abstract and more just like far out space looking scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, and about the third year, um, I started to, the trauma, all of the trauma started to live. And then I started remembering these children. Oh, the, where they the lived, years. what yeah. the concerns were, the reason I went out. Yeah. And everything in bright Vivid, just like I was there. Wow. And um, so the art helped me pull that out. Yeah. I don't know how (laughs) exactly, Yeah, but it pulled it out. And I passed having those, uh, I'd say, triggering things that remind me of those. And now it's like, it's all right. It's all right. It's all right. Wow. And I can breathe. And some pieces of work I spend two, three hours on. Some I spend... 15 minutes on and then it's like I'm in the zone yeah nothing else matters and I can breathe and nothing matters in the world at the time but just me and the art so the way that you're describing it to me it sounds like it's almost like it's falling out of you while you're creating this stuff and you're Mm -hmm. not aware 
of the trauma that's getting worked through your brain. Nope, not even a little bit. I feel like there's something about that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Kim's nodding. She probably we we don't have four mics yet. We we still need to get the four mics because this would be a great time to have her say something about that. But the I think what she's described to me before is there's the side of your brain that's I don't know analytical, and there's a side of your brain that's art. You just turn your microphone around and have her talking. <laughs> so in our brains we have the conscious and the non-conscious brain. <clears throat> Excuse me, and the uh, any kind of art it can trigger the subconscious brain and we can process what we need to process without actually going back through that's the it. emotional trauma. Mm-hmm, that's absolutely it. Hey, we figured out a solution to the fourth microphone problem. Ba, ba, ba. And I learned about <laughs> neuroscience. So, yeah. Yes, I, I'm smarter now than I was five Welcome minutes ago. Dr. Kim. Table. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Kim. Yeah, babe, we could use that paycheck. Why don't you go, why don't you go doctor it up? Sure. sure. Yeah. <laughs> OSU has a great medical program. <laughs> I suggest you start with the art. Yeah, there you go. With the art. At okay. home on your own time. I want, I want to go back into that, though, because that's really incredibly fascinating to me to talk mm-hmm. about um, you're, you're not even aware of, of trauma. I feel like that just, I relate to that, not aware that there's trauma, but it's affecting your day-to-day life, yeah. probably in like serious ways. Yeah. And then so you're, you're literally just producing art through, I guess, just a natural progression of how you got introduced by, mm-hmm. by grandma-in-law. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then you just started doing stuff. You got the watercolors. And so for a period of a year you're describing... You're just churning out art. It's not hard. It's all in there, and yeah. it's just coming out. And it was so crazy. I'm like, I had no clue this was in here. Wow. And I think that's the magic that's inside of everyone. I think that everybody says, no, I'm not an artist. I yeah. can't do a Picasso. I can't do a Vermeer. I can't do a Monet. I can't do a Modigliani. No, that's their style. That's them. Yeah. It's funny because I used to teach uh, some coworkers how uh, to do art and how to draw. Uh-huh. And when we, had, when we were at work and we had breaks, and I said to him, I said, can you draw a straight line? Yeah, I can draw a straight <laughs> line. What are you talking about? Can you draw a triangle? Yeah, where are you going with this? Can you draw a circle? Yeah, where are you going with this? And you can draw. <laughs> now I can draw t- shapes. Or you can draw shapes. Yes, <laughs> yes Brandon, you can draw straight No. Uh, <laughs> but that's all drawing is. But it's about yeah. the patient, and it is the skill, because I try to draw, and it's like, nope, I'm going to stick to the watercolors. Mm. But it was just to encourage them. And then we did some clay, and they were like, I didn't know this was in me. So what I think that what I like to do is pull it out in other people, because of how healing it's been for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, okay, so let me go back to Lance, yeah. Lance's childhood. I watched... I'm trying to remember how old I was. I was living in Clintonville, so it was it was definitely preteen years. I would say like nine, ten, maybe mm-hmm. a little bit younger. Um, I was watching Bob Ross. Oh yeah, and this is back before internets, people. This is a- ancient, right. the ancient days uh, of antiquity. And I, we we didn't have cables, but we had Channel Thirty Four, which was the PBS station mm-hmm. um, in Clintonville, and so I would. Bob Ross was on at some point, and we had a VCR, so I would record as many nice. Bob Rosses as I could. And mm-hmm. then I was like, this is so cool how this guy's like creating this beautiful... Because yes. I love nature. Yes. Always as a kid, I love nature. Well, still now. The happy little trees. Happy little trees. Happy little accidents. With the little squirrels that live there. Yes. They're so happy. Yes. Um, I think I maybe recorded five, and then the, the VCR or the, the videotape, that was the max amount of minutes on it or whatever. But uh, there was a paint store... 
down on High Street in Clintonville, and I went there, and they sold, like, normal, like, house paint and everything, but then I found a, a Bob Ross set. There was, Ooh. like, a basic set, and then yeah. there was a master set. I saved up money. It was $90. I got the master set for, like, 90 bucks. which if this was early 90s, which I'm guessing, that was a decent amount for a 9-year-old kid. But I would I, say. I really wanted to do it, so I got it. I didn't have like a easel or, or whatever, yeah. and I think it was like thirty bucks just to get one thing of canvas. Yeah, but I would watch him, and then that's how I got started doing it. it was oil, yeah. like you yeah. said. Yeah, I didn't have the easel. I don't even remember how I did it, but I remember loving doing it and being like at the end of it, looking at what I just did, and it wasn't as good as him, obviously. Right. But I was shocked. Yes. And my parents thought it was great. It's those I did three. I think three of these paintings, and they're still at my parents' house, which is we'd hysterical. love to see those. Um, but anyway, that's just really interesting. That what you say is like it's fascinating if somebody tries to do something like this. That there is something for everybody, and if you, maybe you get maybe you take to pottery or you take to clay. Your brother. Kim's brother did clay something, mm-hmm. making mugs and everything in high school. He loved that. Mm-hmm. Um, watercolors, like you said. I always thought it'd be really cool to draw. I just didn't have anybody like teach me how or never took lessons. Teach you, maybe. That's what I'm thinking here, literally. Oh, is like uh, My teacher's YouTube. <laughs> that's actually <laughs> a good honestly, point. Honestly, honestly, honestly. YouTube, YouTube, YouTube. I think, I think that's something. I mean, I don't know what young kids think these days, but boy, or just younger people, if there's something you want to learn, you can pretty much just YouTube it and learn Yeah, just about anything. At your own pace. So do, do, have you used YouTube in your For journey? some tutorials um, when I was learning about the watercolor paint because it's a monster. A lot of people are intimidated to paint it with watercolors. And I said, hmm, well, I'm gonna, I guess I'll start here. This is what my wife gave me. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's nothing now. Come on, you wait till it dries and you add another layer, start light to dark. No, it's, it's fine. Absolutely fine. The watercolors. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But you know, I see you as an artistic person. This is a visual mm. art, not a visual art. Uh, you're a writer. Yes. Yes. I love you're writing. You're a writer. You're doing this podcast with your wife. It's a form of art. Mm-hmm. Um, your house, let me say. That's all, Kim. Very well. <clears throat> she built it by hand. Very Hammer yes. nails, two by fours. <laughs> <laughs> very, very artistic. Like Barbara, I love Bob it. Vila. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> This guy. <laughs> oh, man. So, Richard, I just I have to say this because this is like a, just a funny story, and it's always fun to like, it's like the journey of life, and this is like a prime example. So I re- we ran into Tony and Jess, his wife, Jess, Jessica. Sorry. Jess, if she Jessie. Pre- does she prefer, she prefers Jesse? That's her name, Jesse. Okay, my bad. That's okay. Um, Jesse. I love you, honey. We ran, we ran into you guys when we were at the Dublin market on a date. Kim and I were on a date at Dublin Market. We ran into you guys, and we I don't remember what we started talking about, but like we just kept talking, and then I was like, will you come on the podcast? And you were like, absolutely, and I was so super excited. And then during our conversations, you, you were like, yeah, I talk with Brandon all the time. Well, I haven't talked with Brandon in 10 years plus. No, it's been, it hasn't been that long. But mm, I'm sure. Eight, well, yeah, Aislinn's seven, only nine. Eight, seven, wow. But, but still, when, you, when, you, when Tony was like, yeah, Brandon, I talk about all of this all the time, then I was like, well, Brandon, come on too. And so Brandon agreed to come on. So like, I'm really excited because Brandon, Brandon has a, a sense of humor that I really appreciate. Nice. It does, there's not very many people that can make me like laugh, but mm. Brandon has one of those abilities to deliver things with it. It really makes me laugh. So I'm Even really if glad. it is inappropriate, yes. <laughs> yes. I'll just do a podcast and comedy. on it. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> but you mentioned YouTube earlier. There's a good channel called Art for Kids Hub on YouTube that I recommend people. And you have, mm-hmm. you have kids, so you yes. might, they might like check it out. Yes, so. and they, they our kids love. Well, Azan especially. She's she's got a very artistic bent. Connor's are you you can weigh in here, Tony, because I'm very curious what you'd say about this. Connor is very uh, tactile. He loves to build things. He loves to take a leg, leg just Legos. Yeah, he likes to disassemble them. Like dad, yeah. my dad will get a nice jeep you know with all of the parts and put it together and then connor will play with it for a little while but usually it ends up getting taken apart and then he creates stuff with that that's wonderful that is what kind of art do you think would you see for him i don't know you don't know but it's for him to decide i like that (laughs) that's good for you guys to nurture and grow yes and for him to decide. Yes, that's um, good. So if it involves buying more kits or Legos or... <laughs> more Legos. <laughs> right. Anything. job. Uh, they have a part in um, a good place you might want to go for building things, um, gadgets and things. It's a micro center. And they have an area where you can build little cars that are wind-powered or engine-powered. And I think that would On really... Bethel? Yep. I think that would really spark his uh, creativity. So, nerd yeah. moment, nerd confession moment. Bum, bum, bum. Lance loves Micro Center. Mm. I learned, <sighs> I, years ago, I learned how to build a PC. Oh, yeah. And uh, so, when I have time, I like to go get new parts for my PC, upgrade it. Right. So, I have a pretty nice PC, and I'm always looking for a reason to go to Micro Center. Yep. So, this is a great so reason. So, it's in the, when you come in, it's to the right. Back in that. Oh, yeah. Mystery past, corner. past the place where you return everything. Yeah. That's what they got in back In the mystery there. corner, yeah. That's what I this call podcast it. podcast is brought to you by Micro Center. Yeah, right? <laughs> bum, bum. <laughs> <For sponsor>. no. <laughs> and we know why some, I don't like that, right, Brandon? That'd be, that'd be something to, uh, to maybe, yeah, maybe not a Micro Center, but yeah, any, any kind of sponsor, that'd be something. Yeah. Well, if they sponsor, well, you go ahead, Kim. Well, I will say with Connor, he, especially when he's feeling his big emotions, yes. that he'll draw... Really well, Ooh, the best. Yeah, which is cool. So, when he's well, in his emotions, yeah. And I was like, uh, I was just in my feelings. <laughs> so that is a cut from a uh, podcast that is for this season. So you can't find out on season two. But a really good friend of ours, um, who was talking about a dating situation, and um, you know. That he, he was writing music as a result of, of yeah. it. And he, he used a phrase I'd never heard anybody use before. We were talking about being stuck in your feelings. And oh. I'm like, that's a great way to put that. So that is on our soundboard. Um, anyway, we're, we're practicing using our soundboard, little sound bites. Very, for very fun. good. No, just, in, just continue to uh, grow that little seed inside. And yeah. just expose him to as much as you can when it comes to art. And when he's in those, those precious moments, I like to call them. Because sometimes that's when the best thing can be creative from emotion um, and very healing for him, too. I can imagine getting it all out instead of keeping it all in. We have to have a channel to get what we're feeling out. Yeah. Even us as adults, we got that little kid inside of us. So just continue to nurture it and it will grow. Yeah. It will grow and it will take on its own form and it will be beautiful. Yeah, that's really mm-hmm. good, Tony. I want, I want to just go right back because that was a couple of fun bunny trails, but I yeah. want to go back to your, your working through the trauma, not knowing you were working through the trauma. I guess like maybe how did you know or how did you realize that you had kind of gotten past that moment and you're like, when you kind of realized it, I guess, in your brain where you're like, okay, that was cathartic. 
and releasing for me in the trauma that I, that I had experienced and gone through. And now I'm past some point and I'm in a better spot now. Like, how did you start connecting those kind of dots? What did that look like? It was like, um, the difference between night and day, Mm. like a glass had broken, just like, ah, I'm Mm. free. Mm. I'm free because I changed and I will forever be changed from this experience and going forward. Yeah. So, um, Going, being a little antisocial, not wanting to be in church, not wanting to be around people, mm. um, and um, other things, to hanging out more with my friend Brandon, reconnecting with Brandon, mm-hmm. um, going going back to auctions and art auctions, and researching more about art and doing my own art and entering mm. to an art auction mm-hmm. and entering to an art competition and. Uh, a new found love of life. And wow. Yeah, it was, it's just it's different as night and day. Like, oh, there it is. Voila. I'm back. And I'm back better wow. than I was before. That's so, that's so wild. Yeah. Because I, re- I relate to going through stuff. Mm-hmm. And I relate to being real stuck and not even being aware I'm stuck. But literally not knowing how to get out unstuck. And I just, I feel like I've come into contact with plenty of human beings that are in that kind of a similar state. Mm-hmm. So I'm just blown away by your, by what you're saying of, because there's, I think there's so many people that you, you think life is a certain, will be a certain way. You go through enough of life and you very quickly figure out life doesn't go that way. But then it's like, how do, how do you, how do you work through that roadblock? And what you're describing is just almost like a, an unexpected gift of of being able to 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 work through it, not even being aware of your work, because like so many times you're just like, oh, I guess I got to go see a counselor, and but then you know that that's what you're doing. You're going to see the counselor, and you're trying to work through whatever you're trying to work through, but it's like you you could you could still just like run into stuff by doing that and not make headway, yeah, or or spend two years doing that and not make the headway that you're right. looking for and get frustrated, right. and you didn't have to go through that. It sounds like it was just, oh, I'm out of it. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I wasn't doing my artwork to heal myself. I didn't know that. Yeah. But I find some people talk therapy works. Yeah. Um, we're back. We're back. We had another fun technical situation trying to figure out if it's a, um, space problem on the MacBook or we just had too many things open. It's working, right? So probably just had too many things open. That's always fun. Okay. Uh, so I want to go back to, let me get back to where we were. Oh, that's, that was my question that I wanted to ask you, uh, out of all of the 300 pieces plus that you described of artwork that you created during this time, do you still have any of them and, and what kind of meeting do they hold for you? Are there any like top ones that you still have that mean something? You're, he's Uh, looking. Yeah. (laughs) So let me just say that I want to thank the both of you for allowing me to come invade your, uh, beautiful kitchen here and uh, i'll just describe for you i have set up pictures around the room (laughs) i have some of my rocks that i painted and some of the other artists that i manage on facebook i've created pages for uh so out of all those artworks two of them sold in 2019 at the ohio state faculty club art auction Mm. uh which was the most exhilarating time in this whole process yeah (laughs) and uh so we went and i uh talked to a few people and uh, they started bidding one of my pieces, very abstract, a very beautiful purple and orange uh, mixture. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it sold for $275. What? And it just blew my mind. I was shaking. I'm like, oh, my God, that took me an hour to do, and it's gone. And then the other one sold for $100, and I'm like, I wow. didn't get good pictures of these. <laughs> and they're gone. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, they're gone. But I have something, and you know, this is capitalism. I have something in exchange for that. Yeah. And it felt good, but they are personal because the time into which I went through. Yeah. Um, but they made those people so happy, and it made me so happy. <laughs> so that's how you get a home. But I also gift them. Um, wow. There are some that are important to me. I do some uh, portraits of families that I trace. Dun dun dun. A lot of famous artists traced. Oh. Tons and tons and tons traced. Can you tell me what that means? Um, well, in the olden days, they used uh, reverse mirrors where the image would come, reflect off a mirror onto the canvas, some weird sciencey way. And they would just trace the outline of the people to get a good feel into that and their artistic expression oh. in between there. Like Under sketch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I take the piece of watercolor paper, turn all of the lights out in the house, in the room, sketch over it so like superimposed and then i sketch and then i crawl it and i do that because other people do it and i am not a professional drawler you know i'm learning how to draw Mm -hmm. and it really does help and so uh yeah i'm not a cheat i'm just doing me that's wild (laughs) i mean i didn't know i didn't know that yeah um so do any of them hold a significant um to me there was one uh, my mom's recently deceased that her and i worked on together and I saw that one today. I don't have it framed. I'm going to get it framed. And it's of some ladybugs. And wow. we just spent the time doing it together. And so that means a lot to me. So on their back, I wrote, do not sell. Not yeah. for sale. <laughs> not for sale. Not for sale. <laughs> no matter what. Right. It stays in the family. It stays in the family. Um, wow. But other than that, now I'm at a point where they have to be enjoyed because they're, on, they're in um, nicely displayed cases or they're in picture frames. They need to have homes so mm-hmm. someone else can enjoy them. And so... I'm at that point now where I'm gifting them out to people. So, yeah. Now, are you still doing any auctions, like where you're taking stuff? That was a it? one-time thing. Was, um, okay. And since this current pandemic we're in, mm-hmm. um, that has uh, dampered the fun for a lot of things. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, but I will, when the Ohio State Faculty Club uh, reopens their auction, hopefully next year I will submit some more in that of other artists that I help manage on Facebook as well. That's good. I want to actually talk about that. I think that's a good time to go mm-hmm. talk about that. Let's talk about you you helping other artists by creating yeah. Facebook pages in other ways. Just mm-hmm. talk us through that. Yeah, well, here's the sad part. In order for to get my services, you must be deceased. <laughs> Is that Just awful? So you know. <laughs> Just so you know, folks, before you call up Tony asking him to set up a Facebook page. <laughs> well, you know us artists, we could be such prima donnas and such divas and... But it's not about that. That's not why. I think it's because these artists were very underrepresented in their lifetime, now, and probably forever. Yep. Um, And so I said, something needed to be done about this. This is crazy. So the first artist is Chester Nicodemus. He Mm -hmm. was out of Clintonville. Okay. He worked out of his home, but he started his life, uh, his life. He's from Cleveland, mm-hmm. born early 1900, mm-hmm. and he went to Dayton. He was friends with the Wright brothers. Whoa. <laughs> and um, he helped start the sculpture program there at Dayton, and then he came down here and helped start some programs. I think he was like 
one of the department heads at the Columbus School of what is it, CCAD? Art and Design. Art and Design. Mm -hmm. And uh, he helped start the programs there. Well, fast forward, we're in the 40s going into World War I. Mm -hmm. And they started paying, you know, uh, started cutting his pay because where were the students going off? The women were going off to work in the factories and the Mm -hmm. men were going off to war. And they were like, Mm -hmm. we can't afford to have you. We're so sorry. And so when he went home and he started uh, producing ceramics of Mm -hmm. animals, dishes, dishes. all kinds of stuff he was producing out of his basement. Now, what he was known for is his elaborate water fountains and bust of people and all kinds of other stuff. So he just moved to something that was more productive and he could use money out. So people would um, cut, uh, pay for like their logo on an ashtray or hmm. he designed things that look like people's dogs or personal dogs or just dogs, birds, animals, all kinds of stuff he would design. And he did it all of his basement. Wow. And so this is the artist my wife's grandmother introduced me to, Chester Nicodemus. But I was six years old when he died. I never got to meet him. Wow. And so when she introduced (laughs) me to him, I was like, what is this? This stuff is cool. You know, I'm not used to seeing things like these. And so there's one book out called The Art and the, the, what is it? The Life and the Art of Chester Nicodemus um, by Stanford. And that was good. It didn't have a lot of Brandon, can you look that up for us? Yeah, she's typing away over there. Um, So um, that book was good. And then I asked grandma, then I was like, you know what? Let's reach out to the family. What else do they got? And they were just so like, oh, thank you so much for doing all this. Yeah. And they gave me a book that a lot of people don't have. It's like his personal scrapbook that him and his wife put together from college all the way up. And it was about a couple inches thick. So that's where I learned the rest of the information. Then I thought to myself, some people don't read. They're not going to read this book. Yes. It's perfectly put together, but we're not going to read. We need a Facebook page. We what? need to be on social media. What is someone looking up? I'm not, I'm not looking uh, up the Stanford's book? Guide to Nicodemus. His Life, His Work, His Art, I think it's called. Um, and so I started the Facebook page in 2012. I think it was either September or October of 2012. Yeah, that's it. Oh, you What's just, it say? Yeah, Stanford's Guide to Nicodemus is Pottery and Art. This yeah. was published 1998. And yeah. you're on Amazon? Yeah. So yeah. people can go to Amazon and get it. Yeah. Wow. Um, so I started the Facebook page, and it has been wonderful. It's um, just been a wonderful, wonderful journey. So tell us a little bit more about the Facebook page. What did, like, what did you do? So I just put tons and tons of pictures up of his art because he's uh-huh. a visual. you got to see it. Yes. And so I built the community picture by picture. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm in public when I go to um, auctions, estate sales. Uh, some antique malls, they call me the Nicodemus guy. And it's like, oh, man, no, 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 no. I'm not that guy. But I'll be just talk for hours, and my dear sweet wife, she'll be like, okay, I'll be over in the next aisle. <laughs> call me. <laughs> and so I have no problem talking about him. Um, and so we started building this community, and then um, I can be emailed at the Nicodemus Pottery at yahoo.com. I put that okay. on there. Very, okay. very uh, helpful. So what we have, um, we have... I work with the family. They give me pictures, things unseen. Mm -hmm. They consult with me on pieces to see if they're right or not. We consult on pricing, um, things of that nature. Mm. Um, And then, so the community, the Facebook community is wonderful because he sold throughout the country. Mm -hmm. A lot of people grew up here and, you know, started lives in other states and other countries. Yeah. And he started 
during the war, and he kind of retired in the 80s. So that's a long yeah, time 40 span years. Yeah, Gee, to be creating in a community. Just imagine. Um, and so we have people who email me and say, hey, if you see this piece, I need it. I don't care the price. Come on, come on, come on. I need wow. it. And so I have wish lists for people. Wow. So when I'm shopping for it or I see it, I call them up, send them a picture. Here it is. This is the price. It appears to be in good shape. Do you want it? Yes, 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 yes. So you f- you find a picture on Facebook? Yeah, no, um, no, I, yes, I put the pictures on Facebook, and when I'm out into in antique places and stuff, yeah. and I have their wish list, I say, here it is. I take a picture and I send it to them. So you're at an it. antique store, you see something, mm-hmm. this looks like it, and then you take the picture, or you send auction. it to the person, yep. or an auction. Okay, yep. and then yeah, that's it. So talk a little bit about this is this is great because it's going to go right into the other stuff that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. How do you know it's real? How do you know it's authentic? Um, luckily, there aren't many fakes out there. Um, For his stuff? Yeah. Well, you, the first thing you know, let me pick this up here. Yep. He made his, so the, it's made from Ohio clay. So it's a really. So we're looking at an Ohio clay made mm-hmm. Robin. Robin. This is what he was mo- most known for. He probably made about 50,000 of these. Kim's taking a picture yeah. for Instagram. So you can go and look at it there. Yeah. Um, and so the clay, you can't, you can see a little bit. This is the clay here and this is coloring. Yeah. Uh, it's a really beautiful, rich brownish color. Yeah. Um, and that's the first, very first way. And then you would recognize, okay, this is a bird. One yeah. of his birds for sure, about the right shape and size. Mm-hmm. Check. That's check. Mm-hmm. And he usually has a signature at the bottom that says Got Nicodemus. It. Sometimes he doesn't. Yeah. Um, and so those are just the, the major things. Um, is that felt on the bottom? Yeah, someone put felt so it didn't scratch up. But ah, this is the baby. Okay. And the okay. funny thing about this baby, <laughs> people were obsessed with these Robins. Uh-huh. He had to start making them in plastic. Because the kids much. were playing with them and the beaks were breaking uh, off. Okay. And there was even a woman who loved one so much in Arizona, it says, and somewhere I read, I think it's in the book, that she had herself buried with one. And I'm like, well, Whoa. that's next level. Yeah. Fandom. Not for me, though, but <laughs> it's <laughs> supposed to be enjoyed. Not, that's right. But that's, that's a very uh, precious moment for her. Um, wow. In November of 2019, we had a, a show or a get-together. Mm-hmm. We got... Tons of people come, and we talked about it and invited his grandson, and uh, we had a good old time. Sold some pottery, made some new connections. I'm just thinking of that lady who was buried with the bird, because thousands of years in the future, archaeologists are going to dig this woman up, find the skeleton with this bird. That's right. Maybe some sort of religious significance or something. Lives. Like, he lives, he lives. <laughs> this woman had, or yeah, this culture yeah. back thousands of years ago had this yeah. thing with burying people with birds. We don't know what mm-hmm, it means. Mm-hmm. And so I have a, a rather, <laughs> lo- right. I have a rather large collection of it. The more you have of a collection, a lot of people don't know this, the more value you have on it because you have different sure. varieties. You have different glaze colors, you know. Yeah. You have all of those things. And I'm infamous for buying broken pieces because they have a special place because we're broken. Yeah. Also, okay. he hasn't made anything since the real early 80s. Yeah. And so we're getting to a point, what are we, some 30, almost 30 years out? Yes, yes. Uh, since he passed 40, away in right? 1990. Yeah. Um, no, 30, 30 from 1990, mm-hmm. yeah. It's not being made anymore, so it's my, I, I put it on myself and other people who buy it. It's The responsibility is on us to preserve it and to yeah. get it fixed yeah. and to buy it if it's broke because if not, it's going in the trash and it's gone. That's it. We don't see it again. It's just crazy to think that there's somebody who's been passed away 30 years, didn't realize that they're, I assume, 
you can correct me, but I assume they didn't realize their art was going to have impact. Yep. But there's yep. people all over. You say the, the world? country. There's some people from foreign countries who uh, know who email you, me. this mm-hmm. dude is. Yep. They know his pieces. They want his pieces. Yeah. That's wild. With the web, you know, people outside the country yeah. can just look it up. And I, that's yeah. why I had to put it on there. And so I've been doing that since 2012, and it's been amazing. So what does the family think about it? They, they are so grateful. Yeah. They are so grateful. They're very grateful, and they're very helpful. They were like, thank you for getting it out there. Yeah. I, I think Chester himself knew he was an okay artist, but he would just be shocked at the prices of some things yeah. right now. Yeah. Because this little bird here, I couldn't even, well... We'll ask you. We'll, we'll have a little fun. We'll start with you, Brandon. How much do you think this is worth? This beautiful little robin. No clue. Come on, you like a your numbers, hundred? guy. I don't know. Couple hundred. Yeah, I mean, like three fifty. Three fifty. Ooh. We're playing prices right. I'm gonna $5. go five hundred. One dollar. Great. I'm gonna go five hundred. Well, you guys can sell it right now for that price. You can have it. Well, this is a small one, probably about one hundred and fifty dollars. But Got he it. has dogs. Okay. Different dogs that go to five or six hundred dollars and. Some other rare pieces that go into the thousands. He has a giant rooster that sends about this high. That goes for a few thousand dollars. Wow. I got to hold one, but I couldn't afford it. But that's okay. I got to hold it. <laughs> I'd be scared to death to hold yes. clay. That costs yes. so much. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's that. That, that. That's one of the pages of the many other artists that I own. Now, you mentioned he died yeah. in the early 90s. Yep. That's around the same time that Lance got started with art with that Bob That's Ross right, with set. Bob Ross. Bring it full circle. So you picked up the torch. <laughs> I did right. pick up the now, torch. You mentioned you paid like 90 bucks for it. I looked up on uh, usinflationcalculator.com. That's about the equivalent of about 180 bucks today. So you imagine a nine-year-old with showing out a couple hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that's some serious money. Deep pockets. I'm Deep trying to pockets. remember like where I was making I because I always... I, from a certain age, I kind of I started helping my brother with his paper route. I think he paid me a nickel and two pennies to help him weekly Seven do a cents. paper paper route, and then I complained to um, I complained to HR, my mom, <laughs> and so she created minimum wage essentially. So if if your brothers are going to help you, you got to pay them this much, right? And then after that, I was mowing lawns for different amounts and then I did some landscaping and everything so I that's how I would have done it because I think I was landscaping so I was probably older than nine so I think that was like 12 13 years old doing wow. land, working for a landscaping company yeah. so yeah saved up the money paid for it um and yeah and I had a lot of fun with it but I was like replace it, buying the replacement paint was very expensive yeah the cleanup was not super easy because right. that, that thick oil paint that was very expensive, and I was yeah. going with the Bob Ross brand. That's right. And I didn't know where else to get stuff. Speaking of Mr. Bob Ross, yes. there are several documentaries. A new one, I can't think of the name. Will you look it up? On uh, Netflix now. A documentary? Yes. Okay. I've heard the, about that. The no. first one was very light and fluffy, but there was a mystery to it, and I couldn't figure out why. None of his artwork is up for sale. Uh, really? Bob Ross, Happy Accidents, Betrayal, and Greed on Netflix. That's the second one. That Very one standard. will blow your mind. On Netflix, you said, Brandon? Yes. Wow. Yeah, I highly yeah. recommend it. Wow. You mentioned the landscaping you did. Did you call it landscaping? Yeah. Is- no. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that came up at some point. I mean, it was I was doing landscaping with my brothers and my uh, and some like friends that I grew up with, but it was for a landscaping company. But yeah, I'm pretty sure somebody... Threw that out there for sure. Yeah, um, landscaping. You're funny, Brandon. It's the Lance Slots Roundtable. Oh so I mean, I just <laughs> use the name everywhere. 
So the so I was so I watched the first one. I don't know if you could find the other one on there, but it was like, yes, here's his work, but it's all in boxes. And I'm like, why? Yeah. And there's not one. He did at least three, two before and like one after and one during. So every little happy tree has like some cousins. Uh, <laughs> but they, they're all in boxes. And I'm like, why is no one buying any of these? What is the mystery? And it ended it and they didn't say. They did say that they were in an art museum. What is it called? I don't remember the name of the art museum, but a modern art or American art somewhere. They, 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 they donated some. Hmm. But in this second documentary... It gets into the people behind Bob Ross and how, with most things, when I would say in America, where people with business sense more than the artists, more than the people of whatever product, they come in and they really uh, they brand them, they make them who they are as far as the money is concerned. But then they own the product. And then some other things. I don't want to spoil alert for anybody, but (laughs) yes, please, please watch it. You will it will give you new perspective on what Bob was going through and how kind he was and just him in general. Definitely watch that. Yeah, that's wild. That makes me, th- that makes me think, I mean, whatever could be behind that, but mm-hmm. it makes me think of, what was it? Oh, I was listening to James Hetfield, the Metallica frontman on the Joe Rogan podcast, oh, and they yeah. were talking about all sorts of stuff, bees, keeping bees. And then one of the things that they brought up was that for years Metallica didn't own their own music. Oh, yeah. And just recently... They purchased all of their music. Very smart from whoever had it. And so, mm-hmm. like he was describing the story. James Hetfield was describing a story where he was talking to his kid about the fact that he didn't they didn't own their music mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. somebody else owned it. And the kid was like, "Dad, you don't own your own songs." He's like, "No, I don't." But they they did um, they did purchase their yeah, own music. Very clever. They, I mean, that you should never sell the rights to your own music because you never know how big you're going to be. Yes. Yeah, I mean that's just, but that's like the thing. Like you're a, you're a young artistic type person. Yeah. You're, you don't. That's the kind of thing like you wouldn't know. And certainly the people that do know that aren't going to tell you, especially right. if they think they can make money right. off you. Right. Um. So, going back to art, I was just thinking like, all right, what do I want to get out of this podcast? What do I want to tell people? Mm-hmm. Um. You don't have to be. You don't have to talk about art in an intellectual way to enjoy it. You don't have to go to an art museum. And have to know everybody on the wall and be able to describe what period it's from or what the influences were. Absolutely not. That's why they made books in the internet. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Here's what I want you to do if you're struggling and you just feel discouraged as an artist or just someone who wanting to get into art and look at art and just enjoy it. You look at whatever form, shape the art that you're looking at comes in. Mm. Let's say you're looking at the Mona Lisa. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, find something you like about it. Find something you don't like about it. Those two things, just start there. Does it make you feel an emotion outside of all of the other, I'm not going to say garbage, but noise that has been put in your head from society of what you should think about the Mona Lisa? No, 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 no. It's what you think because heart, music is, excuse me, art in music is for the heart. It makes you feel when you look at it. Yeah. so just go there and just imagine what the artist was thinking and maybe feeling. I wouldn't go much far further than that unless you want to get much deeper. Yeah. And I just don't want people to be intimidated by those things because there's no need to be intimidated by art. Yeah, that's good. Because at the end of the day, the artist usually just made it for themselves. Yeah. Uh, art was a commission. 
Yeah. But it's just like a glimpse into a person's soul. Yeah. A glimpse into a person's soul is their art. Um, yeah. And so just I want you to encourage you to go out and do that. And a lot of artists throughout history were like, mm, I'm no good. No one's ever going to like me. And they stopped, which is horrible, because to see a progression of an artist from his first year to his 90th year is phenomenal. Yeah. So you, you never want to, that little macaroni painting or collage your kid brings home and you put up on the refrigerator, mm-hmm. never kill that feeling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because they're proud of that and they made that for you. Yes. Um, it just let it grow. Nurture it and let it grow. So I don't want people to be discouraged when they look at that. And um, that's yeah. that's a really good point because, I, like in society, it is hard to look at the arts as something. As something, I, I just I'm, this is just a thought process. I'm not saying this is true. Yeah, but just the idea of like when you when you think about art, I think there's just I don't know, call it programming or whatever. Yeah, that is a society we have in our head that okay, art, it's fine, but you can't, it won't. It's not going to do anything for you. It's not going to be productive. So don't go investing too much time in it because can't it's make not, a living off of this. Can't make a living off which of it, which is an absolute myth. It's a lie. But also, even if the goal doesn't even have to be that you're making money, I mean, what you described for yourself is, I would say, a bigger benefit than money. There's things that money can't buy, and so if if you if you're doing art, if your kid does art, and that's the thing, like even even kind of pull that down a little bit what you were talking about with like working through trauma there's things that kids experience and that kids go through yes and maybe they don't they don't know how to express they don't yeah. know how, they don't they don't even know what's going on so yeah. what better way for them to work through stuff and they don't even know how to work yeah. through it but art is helping them do that so that's even like a good reason just yeah. to encourage a kid yeah with art i think mm-hmm. there's tons of things like i'll see my i'll see one of my kids and they will very clearly be upset and sad. What's wrong? What's wrong, buddy? What's wrong? I don't know. That's always the answer. How would they know? They don't know that they're upset because this thing happened or this thing happened to them or they had this feeling because this experience happened. So, but you sit down and you, you know, you build Legos with something. Sometimes they just start talking um, or you say, why don't you, why don't you, you tell Aislinn this sometimes, but why don't you go paint what you're feeling or why don't yeah. you go write out what you're feeling? And it can be analyzed. Yes. I was, uh, when I was in my internship and we, I was with a therapist and we went out and it's the only way they could get a kid to express what was going on. And it was pretty scary. Whoa. Pretty scary. We'll go I'm into not... that a little bit. Well, let, let's see. Uh, gosh, we're going to stay away from the sexual abuse cause I just don't have that in me right now. Agreed. Um, it's the social worker code. Like, uh, what do we scare and burden the public with? Yes. Not that. Not that. <laughs> um, they, some, they just draw, you know, families fighting, sad faces. Uh, I am not an art um, psychologist, so I can't describe it. But it's there, you know, how they're feeling. How big is mommy? How small is daddy? Why is daddy missing from the picture in the family portrait? Why is mommy there? Why does mommy have a sad face? You know? Wow. Things like that. It's, I know it's very vague, but no, yeah. it's not. It, but it's but it's not because it's like mm-hmm. you kind of know if you watch enough mysteries or yeah, whatever yeah. that there's the person who has the kid draw mm-hmm. or do something, and then they ask the kid questions, yeah. and then that's how you figure out. Yeah, why there's no happened. sunshine? Why are there no flowers? Why are these families standing in the dark void? <laughs> oh, like what's what's the thing called when the when the psychologist like holds up a picture of essentially like nothing and they're like yeah. what do you see yeah there's some type the of psychoanalysis yes what 
The ink blots? Yeah. Yes, ink blots. Like there's a more technical mm-hmm. name. I can't remember. The name. I, have to be I see a butterfly. Yeah. Or I see a dark cloud of storms. Right. I see a demon. Yeah. Or for the perverts, they see other things. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It tells a lot. Yeah. Wow. That's wild. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yes, always encourage your kids' art. And look closely because it's telling you stuff. A lot of parents get phone calls and say, hey, little Johnny, did this in art class. We want to know what's going on at home. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> We're not going down that rabbit hole. I promise you that, Lance. <laughs> That's, it's, it's okay. It's okay. Because, um, I mean, I do want to talk to you about social work someday. but Because mm-hmm. um, I, I can't imagine doing that job. Yeah. We've, t- we've talked about that. Well, I mean, we had season one, I, we had a police officer on that I, knew, uh, that I know. And I just wanted to talk to him about what that job's like. Because I, I know from different stories that I've heard that that's a really hard job. And he talked about that every single police officer has PTSD. It doesn't, doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. And so it's got to be the same thing, even yeah. just in the little bits that you've described. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Can, you go, can you guys go into how you guys, how your friendship kicked off, what you guys talk about, what you guys enjoy discussing art-related? Art-related? Or anything. Related. I just listen to him talk about art. Oh, Brandon. I, so I do kind. enjoy like listening to like art heist stories and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. There's, I have to this stuff. Oh, yeah, that's... Talk about the art heist in yeah. Boston in 1990. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Isabella yeah. Gardner Museum art right. heist, yes. Half a billion worth of art. It's still missing, by the way. Half a billion dollars worth of art. Yes. yes. So it's not Rembrandt. Rembrandt. Um, I don't know anybody else. But, but uh, the... Um, Dutch Masters. Yeah, the, the Storm on the Sea of Galilee. Yep. By Rembrandt is one of the most, one of Rembrandt's. I'm just letting pieces. time go because I know that a listener is squirming, asking me why I'm not asking about the other the things. story of the heist. Well, so you got to go, go into that story. <laughs> it was. I wanted to let them squirm for a little bit. Right. But yes, folks, I am going to ask uh, Brandon <laughs> and Tony to tell me about this heist. So in March of uh, 1990, mm-hmm. at the Isabella Stewart Museum in Boston. Okay. Also, another documentary. On Netflix. Oh, yeah, there's highly suggest. several YouTube right. documentaries on it. It's but famous. FYI, I knew all this stuff before the documentary because I love art. He was involved <laughs> with it. <laughs> the ice. So it was <laughs> it was around St. Patrick's Day in Boston. You know, there are a lot of Irish. So yes. people were out at the pub. They were getting relaxed from the uh, day's festivities with the parades. Mm-hmm. And it was in the nighttime. So this museum is beautiful. It's a mansion. And Isabel was, I'm not sure what her background was, but she bought some very beautiful artwork. Mm-hmm. Big, beautiful museum. So around sometime, which I don't know, they, uh, there is a buzz at the door, and the, peop- the uh, two guys who come in, or they say they're the police, and they come in, and they, uh, there's another door, and the guy, the uh, overnight security guard, sees the police, and he buzzes them in. Then, then they go on to uh, tie him up and put him in the basement along with the other guards. Mm-hmm. And they still, I think it's 12 works of art. Just cut them out of the more. frames. Yep, slam them on the ground and cut them out of the frames. And then they're off. Rolled them up? Uh, we have no clue. Don't know. Presumably, we have no yeah. clue. But the way that the, the varnish and the oil is, you can't really roll them up because it will just crack. And it's like, it would be like rolling up cardboard. Got it. Not going to happen. Okay. And so... It was gone. They had no clues. They were suspicious of the um, night guard mm-hmm. because of his ties in the nightlife and the underworld. Mm-hmm. And why would you let two cops in and you didn't call the police? That's what the police came for. They said there was a silent alarm. And he was like, uh, no, I didn't press any alarms. No, the 
gadgets went off here, but he let them in anyway. Well, it's the police. The police show up. You trust the police. Right. But comes to find out it was not the police. Right. They were someone who stole some police's uniforms. And I'm, I don't want to spoil her, but it's still out there. And it is... The documentary? I, yes. Yeah. What is it called, Brandon? Please look that up for me, will you? So. <laughs> <laughs> My best friend. Um, and so it's been missing, and there have been tons and tons and tons of clues. I think they came once. I think the government dropped the ball. Mm. There was a guy. So there's this whole thing is um, you have a, a piece of artwork that is for the whole world. There's a name for it. I can't think of the name right now. But it's, like, significant to the whole world. Okay. You can get, a, get out of jail free card. Mm. So some criminals in underground rings have people steal these little insignificant or unguarded pieces of artwork. And then when they get in trouble or someone they love get in trouble, hey, I got this. Wow. Historical significant piece here for the world. Can I get it out of jail free? Yes, you can. Here you go. Thank you very much. Really? Yeah. Why don't they just take it? Because it's at that point, it's so hot. They can't. They can't sell it for where they want. I mean, they can take it in the underworld, the black market, mm -hmm. and do stuff with it. But the way it's supposed to be enjoyed and the people want it and where they get the most money is if they do it the right way. Sure. Which is not steal it in the first place and leave it in the museum. But, but, but if I'm an FBI agent yeah. and I've got you and you're like, and you're like, I will give you Monet, the Lisa right. Monet that I right. stole. Mm -hmm. And then, okay, give it, then the FBI is like, okay, well, give it to me. You get it. And then why not throw him in jail then? Because that's the bargaining chip they use to get out of three. You get it back, you get something in return. I mean, that's uh, how it works. Okay. So there was a reporter who got contacted by a person, was a shady underworld person who worked for a mobster, helping him sell stuff. And he contacted him. He got in some type of trouble. And he said, hey, I know where these pieces are. Mm -hmm. I know where all of them are. Mm -hmm. And they're like, uh, yeah, sure. The reporter would, was the middleman. And he went to the police. And he was like, they have this. And they were like, yeah, sure. We don't have any proof. That you the have this. The yeah, police. the police were like, yeah. you don't have anything in the FBI. And so they came. They just kept coming at them with more questions. Well, get us a picture. You have a picture? Well, they sent them all these pictures of the artwork cut out. Pictures, pictures, what? pictures. FBI is like, no, we're not buying it. We need a, a sample. Give us a, a, a chip. Because after they cut it out, the edges are so frayed. There were probably thousands of fragmented pieces of the art. And so they came back with a little vial full of some of the artwork. It came back not inconclusive. It was dated at the right time frame, a Renaissance period, or some of these were painted. Uh -huh. But it's like, yeah, you could have just went and got it off another stolen piece of artwork. Yeah. There's no guarantee that it came from this one. You can't prove wow. it. And so they kind of left that one alone. But it's like, I think you guys should have called his bluff. Yeah, why not? Bring them in. If it's not true, the deal doesn't go through. Yeah. And so I don't, so they didn't do that. It's still out there. The award is somewhere between 10 and $15 million for the return of it. Gee and here's Liz. the most sad part about this. So Isabella, she said that in her will that, I don't know if it's certain rooms of how she had it set up or all the rooms. Everything has to have its place. Mm -hmm. You cannot move it from this way. You can get it repaired, fix it, whatever, but it has to go back. And what the ingenious thing that the museums did is they put up the empty frames on the wall as a reminder Whoa. to have people come and look and say, have you seen this? Have you seen this? Have you seen this? Wow. They have some clue about where it's traveled. And I'd, again, I don't want to ruin it for anybody, but I think I'm more than hopeful. It's been some 30 plus years that it'll pop up again. 
Wow. That's wild. And Docu- that's a lot of money. The documentaries, This is a Robbery, the World's Biggest Art Heist on Netflix. That's right. Of. There you go, folks. And you want, again, another binger to watch to get your mind in the... I mean, we're going into fall, so this is a good time to have some stuff mm-hmm. to watch once it starts getting real mm-hmm. chill and crisp outside. Yeah. Um, that's wild. Okay, so tell, tell me, any, or do you have any other amazing heist-type stories? Oh, yeah. There's a million. But I just want to give a shout-out to the local art. Museums, yeah. the Columbus Museum of Art, yes, has a beautiful section for kids, and they have a lot of good art. But my favorite, sorry, Columbus Museum of Art, is the Cleveland Museum of Art. Uh-huh. And we were blessed with the Cleveland Museum of Art thanks to the Rockefellers, which is thanks huh. to the oil and the gas that was discovered here. And so the museum is free; it is huge. Parking is free. I highly suggest it. They huh. have works from all the masters, modern, all kinds of art that you can imagine, and it's all free. And it's and an endowment or however they did it set up that it will always be free. Yeah. Really? So you can go look at all this art mm-hmm. for free. Is it something that would take more than a day? Um, if you skip some sections, yes. Okay. Okay. See, that's good to know. I mean, I'm always looking. So like when I was in college, I was going to Columbus State. I don't remember what class I was taking, but yeah. one of the requirements was go to the Columbus Museum of Art. Find a painting, look at it for a while, and then write a paper. Right, like a three-page. Uh, yeah. Same thing. Like a humanities class. I think I might have been. That's what I'm guessing yeah. it probably was. So I went and I walked around. I was not cultured. My dad was a carpenter. We didn't go to museum and look at arts. We might. I mean, I don't think that would have been something he would have liked. My mom would have had zero interest. I think my dad would have done it. I just we just didn't know about that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. But I remember going and like looking around, and I picked the. I like scenes. So I picked a painting. It was it was like 1800s boat, and it was, I want to say docked. I don't think it was crashed or anything, but it was just a scene of like this old boat and like all of these sailors that were doing these different activities. And mm. there were people, I think, on an island, which might have been more sailors, like on an island. I don't remember if there were um, like other people there that weren't sailors, but I just remember like looking at it for, I don't know, a long time, which in college, that was probably 30 minutes. <laughs> That's a lot. That's <laughs> yeah. good. That's a good amount. But I, I just remember, like, thinking about it and, like, the more, the longer I looked at it, I feel like there's, the, like, some more things that I That's picked right. up on. Mm-hmm. But, like, I didn't notice at first, but the sun was setting mm-hmm. or was it was it coming up? Right. I don't know. Yeah. Like, what activities were they doing? Like, yeah. what were their different jobs and everything? I didn't have any trouble writing that paper. Yeah. I mean, that's the magic of art. I have some pieces I keep by my bed, and it's some of the first things I see in the morning besides my phone in the ceiling. And <laughs> I just look at every habit. square inch, and I just look at it like, man, I didn't notice that. I've been looking at this for two years every morning, and I didn't notice that. Hmm. So I get what you're saying where you look at it for three hour, uh, 30 minutes, and you wrote pages on it. And, that, and that's why I say so keep easy. revisiting these museums. Keep revisiting that piece you like. And if it's in a museum, go and see it in person because it's really going to blow your mind away. Yeah. Pictures can only do it so much justice. But when you go there and you look at it, um, and I'll share this story when I went because I love Vincent Van Gogh. I know I'm butchering the name, but I try so hard. Which, how would people know that name? Um, Vincent Van Gogh. That's how we kind of say it maybe here in the Midwest. And then I'm trying to be fancy and say it how the Dutch people of Van Gogh or Van Gogh. I don't know. And see, he taught me that today, guys. Before we even started recording, he was saying he said the name, and I didn't know who it was. And he's like, Van Gogh. And I was right. like, I know that name. <laughs> Vinny, Vinny Van Gogh. Uh, but you know, the so when I first went to the museum, I went there because they have three of his pieces. And I'm just going to be honest and put this out there into the internet. 
I was overcome with emotion when I got to be right there in front of it. I teared up. And they wow. were like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, it's just so beautiful. But Versus, where are you? Where are, I'm at the Cleveland Museum of Cleveland Art looking Museum. at the three pieces he has. And it's just wow. like, yes. It just Every time I look at some of his work, it just takes my breath away. I think he is, besides um, God, our creator, he is the second best artist in the world. Wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, tell me a little bit about him because I'm, I'm limited in knowledge here. So Vincent Van Gogh, he was my understanding is he never made it popular while he was alive is that um, true yeah and that's the story with most um let's start with a, what a lot of people didn't know vincent van gogh was a man of the cloth he was a believer oh, i didn't know that and uh he was sent to oh my gosh the netherlands i'm gonna say okay to do missionary work to a very poor part of town where there were coal mines and there were potato farmers Whoa. And um, he couldn't speak the language, so there was a barrier there. He was learning the language, but he was also spreading the gospel. Mm-hmm. And that was his heart because his dad was a pastor. Mm-hmm. And so that's where he got his start. And then when he got there, I, um, he you know, always was an artist in his life. But he, then he started, his masterpiece was done there. It's called The Potato Eaters, and it's beautiful. But, and they were kind of these doll colors. And that's not what he's known for, but his early work were kind of doll colors, still masterpieces in their own. Mm-hmm. And then he had met with a uh, another artist, and he's like, hey, how about some color? Mm. And uh, so he added a lot of color to his stuff. I know it's very... And so there are, some, there are a million different myths about him, but the reason he became famous is because at that time, no one was doing what he was doing. The type of painting. Mm-hmm. And the Impressionism, and it's just uh, so beautiful. And then you know, the most famous people, yeah, we know Vincent Van Gogh. Yeah, he's a guy who cut off his ear. No, he didn't cut off. That's the rumor. Is it a myth? That's the I don't myth. think I knew that. That is a myth. Because there's pictures. Well, there's another artist. Was it? What was the other artist? Will you look up his friend's name? Who came? Oh, that's right. It? He had a friend. Who was a famous artist too? What is his name? Brandon will find out. That's my boy. Um, but I think they got into a fight. Vincent loved this man. He here he was this artist in this foreign land, and he didn't. Only correspondence he had, and another reason for his success is his brother Theo, who actually sold art in Europe, oh. and. Um, he corresponded him with letters for just about every piece of artwork he had. Uh-huh. Said this is my inspiration, and he would draw him a little picture um, and things like that. So he had his brother. He had a lady there who was who had children who he dated, and he had a doctor he was friends with, and a postman he was friends with. Mm-hmm. But to have another artist come, that's why he painted uh, one of the two, or maybe two of his um, uh, sunflowers. Mm-hmm. He painted them for this artist for this this beautiful yellow, and what's his name, Brandon? He's talking about Anton von Rappert. Mm-hmm. There's also Emil Bernard and Paul Gagon. Gagon. What is it? Paul Zazon, not Zazon. G a u g u i n. How do you say that? No, that's his friend, Paul Gagon, something like that. We're butchering it. Sorry, Paul, but that's okay because we're just a couple of guys and a girl talking about art. <laughs> that's, that should be the name of the podcast, right? Uh, that's a great name for, uh, for the, so the episode. Yeah, he was so excited to have this guy. He painted two of his beautiful masterpieces um, for him, and they um, and he just came and I, he got on his nerves. He had to go, but mm. we think they think that they were fighting, and he got his ear cut off by him. Some say he cut it off for this girl because she wouldn't pay him attention or whatever, and he gave it to me. I'm not buying that. Sure. And there's another thing I'm not buying. I'm not buying that he shot himself. Yeah, oh, so you don't himself. think it was no. suicide? No, I don't think that at all. He Tell was. Me more. He had a lot of mental health. I, I don't know what it was exactly diagnosed with. Um, definitely, he was very depressed. Um, mm-hmm. 
and he did spend time in and out of hospital uh, for whatever his disorders were. Mm-hmm. And one, actually one of my favorite and best known is Starry Night was done from one of those uh, scenes through his room. But there was a kid in town, mm-hmm. little brat, they're mm-hmm. everywhere. <laughs> a little boy who liked to play all kinds of weird games. And it's, it's, I, to me, it's more likely that Van Gogh didn't go out in the field and just say, okay, I'm done, and just shoot myself and be done. I think what happened, and I think based on other historians, that this kid got a hold of a gun mm-hmm. and was playing in the field, and he's the one who actually shot Van Gogh. Oh, wow. I'm going to buy that just because... Now, listen, I also work in the mental health field as mm-hmm. a social worker currently, but right. I'm just not buying it that he killed himself. Yeah. And that's okay. And everybody else disagree, please send me emails, Antonio underscore 2000 at yahoo.com. <laughs> I would love to have this discussion with you. I love it. That's amazing. <laughs> um, but that's him in a nutshell. And I just, I just adore his work so much, I can't even talk about it all. But mm-hmm. very, very prolific artist. I think there were some 800... Um, pieces he did. Oh, I didn't know that many. Yeah, and he has his own museum in uh, the family set of the v- museum in Amsterdam, which I hope to go to. Heard about that. Um, there's a show coming up the 21st through January in Detroit where they're going to have a lot hmm. of his works done. Just four oh, hours cool. away. Four hours away. I'm going. There you go. Um, so, yeah, that's a little bit about him. So I can remember, again, college. Co- college can be good for some things. I that's for sure something just yes. recommended. I have air quotes. I have I have other opinions, but that I won't get into now. But anyway, I can remember. I think it was a humanities class, and we were talking about. Uh, I think it might have been a. Sp- I can't remember. I'm not going to sit here and try to like rack my brain for it's something. It's okay, old man. Come on, you can do yeah. it. <laughs> as long as I got my walker ready in case I <laughs> stretch something. I mean, pull something. But I, 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 I went on a trip to Europe with a friend of mine from college when I was in my junior year of college. We spent 28 days going all over the place. One of the places that we were in was Madrid, yeah. Spain. Mm. And we went to, uh, I don't remember the, the name there, but it was an art museum there. There was a couple other art museums we went to, but I remember going to that one because we had, I think, four hours in the morning while we were, before we went and did something else, mm. met up with somebody that was there. And I remember walking around and I, I ran into art that I had seen during a humanities class that was talking about Greek mythology. So oh, there yeah. was an artist that did stuff on Greek mythology. Uh, the Zeus's dad, whoever he was, that was like devouring his kids or something mm-hmm. like that. I ran into that painting and, and that was just funny because I, I didn't know what was in this museum. I, right. I didn't know anything, but like running into it and like, Oh, this is the this is the this is the artist that I learned about in this class, and this is what he was doing. And I knew like backstories of like yeah. why he did that. Mm-hmm. And there was another one that was uh, I ran into, and again I had heard about it in one of my classes. This would have been even two years after I had taken the class. It wasn't like because I took all these classes in like freshman senior year, so this would have been probably three years after I had taken the class. But I still remembered it because it stuck in my head. Yeah, but it was a it was some Spanish artist did something about a I think it was a Spanish revolution or a Spanish civil war and so it was this really famous painting that he painted and uh, there was all this backstory I knew about it but I remember like I saw it on an overhead projector like because that's they're talking about they'll put it up but then I saw it and this thing is like taken up a whole wall Mm -hmm. I was like this is way bigger than what I thought and I think it took him however long to do this and, like, you can't make a mistake on something like this. And I just remember being, like, blown away by the yes. whole concept of yeah. it. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's all I had to say. That's yeah. No, I know exactly what you mean. This is in Madrid, right? Yes. Are you planning on going back? I noticed the Spanish cards on the wall in the windows. Yes, we will be going back someday, but yeah. no time soon. Yeah, yeah. Kim is teaching the kids Spanish words. Nice. We be in. I think it was That's the Musea de Prada, maybe. Yeah. Muse- I don't remember. I'm sitting here trying to remember it. But it's okay. I just I remember being blown away by it. And like again, I didn't grow up with any of this kind of stuff, but there mm-hmm. was something about being able to walk through a museum and learn. And that's I mean, that's even something about you guys brought up YouTube earlier ago. Oh, so yeah. like you can get onto YouTube and just learn about Educate artists, yourself. right? Educate yourself at your own time and your own pace. Do you have any... You mentioned a YouTube channel that you like. Art for... Well, I mentioned there's one for kids out there. Art for Kids Hub. Um, it's basically an artist and his kids, and they draw various things. Um, and so you see his him drawing it, and then, like, the kids drawing it, and there's definitely a difference in quality. But uh, it's, <laughs> it's entertaining. It's... So I always recommend. It for I recommend out there. the art assignment. Um, that's a good one. She talks about all kinds of different the art. The art assignment on yep. YouTube. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see what else. Um, that's the that's the main one. But just go. Just be curious. Yeah. And you'll learn a lot. And then just talk to the people a little bit about the things around Columbus. We've mentioned the Columbus Museum of Art. You mentioned some things downtown. Mm-hmm. Just talk a little bit more about those types of things that people can go and support local artists. Uh, well, you know we have Gallery Hop. Yes. I don't know what uh, this pandemic has uh, put a seize on that. Mm-hmm. It's usually the second Thursday of the month. I don't know. Look that up. They had something I forgot. Uh, and you can go from gallery to gallery to gallery mm-hmm. um, and to look at all those beautiful, expensive places. But something new, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Franklinton. There's a little bit. Be- a beautiful uh, uh, old warehouse that they have turned into an art community. It's called the Franklin Art District. I didn't know um, about that. There's this giant warehouse there, along with other things. Uh, there's a brewery over there and some restaurants. And so it's right over the river. You know where the uh, Scioto Park is, the 21 yeah. mile? Yeah. If you go over that big, new, beautiful bridge and under the other one, it's right there. And mm. they have spaces for rent for artists. And really? I go there. I'm against galleries right now, always. Why? Because. Yeah. Because. Because his, this is the thing with galleries, and please, sorry, please indulge me in this rabbit hole. Absolutely. <laughs> they find an artist they like, produce, you produce, you produce. When you're not producing, you're not hot anymore, you're out the door. Oh. So that gallery is, they're going, not all galleries are this way. Maybe they are. I don't know. Just remember to stay local and go local. So galleries are good. They have their purposes, but they also have more bad than good, in my opinion. What's the difference between Columbus Museum of Art and a gallery? Uh, so those are ones that, that's a good question. I think in the museum, they're, I don't know. That's a good question. Well, is it like a gallery? It's like something where they show art and they're yeah. getting art? You're because not it gonna... almost sounds like you're saying that they find an artist that they like and they tell them and make him produce. Yeah, they, they produce, they, um, they market it, they do shows for them. Got it. Now, the museum, trust me, I've tried. No, it's not for sale, Tony. It's not for sale. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Can I get on a payment plan? I really, really want this. <laughs> it's not for sale. It's not for sale. Uh, so that's more like for the city. This is the best our city is offered. You Got know, it. these are this is our collection for... The city, for the state, for the country to come and see. Okay. Look, do not touch. I went on a date one time, and the girl was touching the painting in the sculptures, and I just ran out. Long Homer story. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, At the Columbus Museum of Our Action, I'm surprised we didn't get kicked out, right? (laughs) 
Um, so not a good experience. Did you get lost in your feelings after? Oh, no. Not no, even a little bit. She, no. I was just like, all right, well, we'll, we'll do a movie. Let's be more traditional here. Um, <laughs> she goes go. up and touches the screen. So that's... <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm a feeling feel person. You have a problem, Right. Miss. And I'm like, uh, I'm not into this type of thrill-seeking. Sorry. <laughs> Next guy. <laughs> um, oh, man. Uh, so that's the difference. Uh, it's the the museums hold the role as this is the best of the best, or here's who has some significant history for the city, for the state. Yeah. And the museums are about the money, the money, money. Yeah. Uh, because they're like the top five. There are five um, museums, and then there are auction houses. Not top five, but uh, what's the other name? Art galleries. So excuse me, art galleries who determine what art goes to market. Really. Oh wow. And what artists get seen. Or not, Ugh. and then Annoys they go me. off to the auctions. Oh yeah, that's so. Whole thing. So so the 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 moral of the story is mm-hmm. go local so that you local. can come in contact with an action and you can get what you like and you'll get a better deal on the price. Sure, and you'll get to meet the artist and you'll support somebody that maybe not get supported. That's right. And you want to buy local, just like everything else, and you want to do it at the artist. So this uh, where should I, I buy from Amazon? If it's a local artist, I mean, why not buy sure. local? I mean, you can do all the pretty stuff. I don't see. Any well, maybe that commercial like painting is fine, but why not have a local artist, mm-hmm. someone who's struggling? There's a yeah. lot of us struggle, yeah, uh, when it comes to art. Not me because it was it's my hobby, not my day job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I would suggest going to or googling local artists. But this Franklinton Art District, look and see they have open houses, and you can just go from studio to studio to studio. And I think there's two, maybe three floors. Wow. And it is just mind-blowing. Uh, hmm? I was just saying with all your art here, this is the Gardner exhibit at the Fallis Museum. That's yes. right. Sorry, pictures may be coming. Pictures may be coming. Yeah, pictures will definitely be coming. <laughs> and so you can meet the artists and you can talk to them. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. And you can see what drives them and, you know, how their story. And to me, that's, to me, I think I, I have far more appreciated art way more since I started producing it. It makes so yeah. much more sense to, me, sense to me. The prices make yeah. more sense to me. The way artists act yep. and how they're feeling and just the whole art vibe yeah, totally opened my eyes and I can appreciate it more. And these people are very humble. They're very kind. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this, uh, this art district place in that um, warehouse there. And so just buy local artists. If you can't go out and see them, uh, you know, Buy them online, mm-hmm. but just make sure they're local artists. And, Where would uh, somebody look? Oh, you're fine. So my question is, oh, actually, it's not really a question. What I'm connected to is a lot of homeschool moms because oh. I'm a homeschool mom. So mm-hmm. there are a lot of moms who are selling watercolor, but in this educational way. So wow. I have this one. It's a black and white sketch, but yeah. it's, you know, forest animals. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, behind you I have our... Uh, 10 frames, those yep. are watercolor up there. Mm-hmm. And then um, the full moon, uh, moon phases, yep. those are watercolors. So it's interesting to see how all of these moms are getting this artistic outlet yeah. to kids, so they're learning. It's beautiful. But you can tell. My kids know the difference between like a, a textbook and the weird pictures. Mm-hmm. They would prefer, like if I laid them on the More table, detail. they would pick a watercolor mm-hmm. painted illustrated mm-hmm. book. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. My bike has been returned. Right. 
I like this style. I do. This is kind of this is this, it's working. I love this style. So, um, where you would start, you could start online, or like I said, this art place and just local. And here's the one thing I do that just astounds everybody in my family, maybe even Brandon. If there's an artist and I can look him up and he or she has a phone number, I call. Hmm. Wow. Hey, how you doing? I enjoy this. I'm crazy about this. Can I come see more pre-pandemic? Yes, please. Why do you like my art? Why? What? This is so weird. Okay, but come. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. And I've done that with maybe two or three artists. Yeah. Um, one is deceased now. His name was uh, Ned T. Moore. He was a watercolorist. Mm-hmm. The other one was a friend of his, and he's a watercolorist. His name is Bob Bruce. Mm-hmm. Um, and was then there was another one. Then more the one from Upper Northeast Ohio. Mm-hmm. And upper Arlington, yep. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And so they love that too. Well, I I think about I just love the idea of supporting anything local. I think that yeah. because it's so important to just anything that you can invest it in your lo, in your local area, even if it's not just art. I mean, it could be anything, but just it's very important to invest where you are locally. That's why mm-hmm. I make comments about Amazon. If you can buy things locally, even if it's at a change, you're still yeah. chain. You're still investing in your local community, which mm-hmm. I'm I'm kind of passionate about. But yeah. you you talk about like and you think about and you consider conversations with people that you know that are artistic the motivation for them to produce is usually i don't know it's just something that they have to get out but when they start i feel like if they started to understand that it's impacting somebody in a way that you're describing that has to be more motivation and more validation for them to continue doing what they're passionate about Mm -hmm. and then if you can if you can encourage them by buying a piece then that's that's huge, and like they'll continue to grow, though, because they'll continue to produce. Yeah. Um, so I just I love that. So would it be just be something that, like if I was listening to this right now and I was like I want to buy local art, would it just be googling local art, local artists? Yep. I mean that's where you start in the comfortability of your home. If you don't, if you're yes. not out in the galleries or the yes. museums or in the art districts, and then would it be another thing where you could just you would just suggest to people to Google local art events? Mm-hmm. We have the uh, Columbus Art Show, big festival. I don't know, did it go on last year? I'm not sure. Um, some of those artists there aren't local. Some of them are, but it's kind of like mm. this cookie cutter. All right, you're an artist. Come on, pitch a tent. Mm-hmm. So be careful. Always ask where they're from. But I, I've talked to a couple of them there. Yeah. Okay. You That's can't good. go wrong. Buy what you love. Yeah. Make sure it stays on your wall because you can't enjoy it if it is not. Rotate yeah. it. That's good. Twice a month. Depending <laughs> on how many you have. You got to rotate it, rotate it, rotate it. Kim loves so to rotate. It I do. It's a very therapeutic thing. Yeah. That's yeah. good. So buy local. Um, and then we're getting close to time, so I just wanted to get to the last couple of things here uh, to talk about. But um, I, I really just love what you've talked about, Tony. I think that it's it's so key to think about encouraging artists right now because we need art. Um, we need art. We, so we need artists to produce art, like real art, not not stuff that's getting... I mean, we talked about this a little bit, but just the the stuff that gets that gets put in front of you that is maybe corporate bankrolled, that is more uh, for more, show, yeah, more for show, more for consumption, more status. for money, mm-hmm, for more, status, yeah. yeah, it's more for money. So, like, just the idea of like encouraging art in your communities. Um, 
because it, it could affect you real cathartically. It could affect the artist really cathartically. It could affect both of you really cathartically. Yes. But I've been touched by art, yes. all different kinds of art. Mm-hmm. Musical art has been huge for me. I'm not a, mus- I'm not a musician. I, I don't do You are a musician. I am a musician. What do you play? I play piano, guitar, bass guitar. Do you produce right. music? I do. Well, I'm, I, I make it. I mean, producing it in the music world is that term producing means kind of like you're a producer, like you bring in artists, other artists, and you're making their CDs or whatnot. But I produce it in the sense that I make it. Yeah, I write He's stuff. part of a band. I am a part of a band. You I, remember Andy Kramer? Yeah. I'm in a band with Andy, yes. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Huh. Since 2012. Next yeah. episode of Brendan Jenkins. <laughs> yes. There you go. Come back and talk we'll, about music. We'll write some theme music for yeah. the podcast or something. I don't know. Hey, I've been looking for somebody that would jingle. write something so the that it's not the, uh, <laughs> the free internet music intro and outro. So if you want to create something for this podcast, I, I will definitely take you up on it. But let's talk. Let's Yeah, I mean, that's just kind of like what I, what I was kind of driving towards is I work in an office all day. And so being able to do something like this podcast and create something that I can put out there that other people, because I'm learning stuff. Uh, that's, what, that's what I love about doing this podcast is I would never know what I know about art now because mm-hmm. I, know, I know something about art, lots of things about art that I didn't know because I got to talk to you. And mm-hmm. it's the same thing with all these different podcasts I'm doing is that I'm, I, get, I get to learn. So I really, I really get to enjoy it. It's really nice for me to talk about stories like my growing up. It, it, I probably helps my uh, mental state as well. Mm-hmm. So, again, I just love what you said about really uh, supporting your local artists. And if there's somebody that you know, somebody in your family, a friend that you have that that has like a slight passion, you you really can, I think, affect them in a very positive way by just giving them whatever level of encouragement that you can give That's them. That's right. Um, I was thinking for the parents out there, if you have like a kid that comes home with like a second or third grade art picture that they drew and you put in a refrigerator, you can just say to the kid, well, what else can you do? You know, push the boundaries of what the kid can do, help them discover where their boundaries are, mm-hmm. um, whatnot. So, oh, that's a nice picture that you drew. What else can you do? You kind of, that's good. That's good. Yes. How would you, Tony, talk to me about like a couple practicals on, you see, I don't know, yeah, like because I like talking about kids. So, like, you see, kid, your kid, or your nephew, or what, whoever it might be, kid in your family, and they're starting to engage, or you start mm-hmm. to see something. How do you identify an interest in art, and then how how do you like to nurture it? How to nurture art? Well, in a child, well, I've not been blessed with children yet, but I've worked with a lot of children through children's services and other things. Um, art. Hmm, that's a good question. <laughs> Would you nurture just like you do any other idea, like with their yeah. faith? You teach. Yeah. You see if they retain what they teach. But with art, like I said, just they come to you here. Do different mediums of art. Well, we we use watercolor. Let's use finger paint. Or let's use clay because there are all these different mediums. Yeah. And just go that way. And then when you're like, all right, YouTube is running out, just call somebody. You can call me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> or call some other art friends or someone who's similar. I mean, you don't have to be a professional. And it's not about this is how you do it. you got to color in the lines. Mm-hmm. What do you feel? You know? Yeah. What, what are you going through? It's, it's free. It's art. It's expressive it's of yourself. That's good. Yeah. Just to... Just keep them going and support them. If it dies out, then it does. Yeah. And that's fine, too. But they can always come back to it. And I just want to say, not just with the kids, anybody can be an artist. Yes. You're not going to be a Picasso, a Manet, a Mm Mogdiliani. You're going to be whatever your last name is. (laughs) (laughs) 
You're going to be a Jenkins. You're going to be a Garner. Yeah. Because you're your own artist, and you can't really compare it to everybody else. That's because good. And it just, I was just thinking about this on the way here. Like, I just wish that everybody had to take art and that people loved art because there's so many different takes, so many different mediums. There's so many different styles. Yeah. I mean, we could be looking at a piece of art now for the rest. We could look like a millions a day and still wouldn't even tap the service of all the unknown artists. But um, I just think that everyone can be an artist. You yeah. can do whatever you want. You can express yourself however you want Yeah, in the art and just be happy. If you keep it for yourself and you never share it with anybody, that's sad. Mm. But at least you expressed yourself or created something Yeah, to call your own. That's good. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a bit of a common theme that we've been talking about mm-hmm. recently, maybe last season, but definitely this season, just the idea of having a mental state where you're trying to produce more than you're consuming. Because we, we have so many things that we can consume in our society and our culture. So the idea of finding something that's inside of you that you can get out. Yeah. And to your point, art. there's so many different kinds of art um, that, that you can get engaged yeah. with and that, yeah. you can, that you can do. So even, again, if nobody ever sees it or knows about it or just your, your circle that knows or sees about it, yeah. that knows it or gets yeah. to see it, yeah. that's still a big deal. Yeah, and here's the trick. If you like it, there's someone else who likes it. That's a good point. And there's someone else who's willing to spend money on it. Good point. And if one other person like it, there are at least a hundred other people who will like it. Yeah. And if you're able to put something positive out, that's right. That's 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 so. There's so much negativity and negative stuff that's yeah. going on right mm-hmm. now. If you can put something positive out, then you're you're actually putting something positive into the world, that's and right. it's counteracting all mm-hmm. of the negative stuff. So again, when I think about this episode, and I'm just going to ask both of you to provide any closing thoughts that you have. Okay. Um, as I start to ramble here for a little bit, it won't be a long ramble because um, okay. I'm just going to basically restating it. But just think about how what you want to leave people with, both of you, um, and then we can officially close out this uh, episode of Landslots Roundtable. But I just really love the conversation. It just reminded me of art. Uh, my day to day is really t- raising a, f- a small family, taking care of a family, going to work eight to nine hours a day or ten maybe. Uh, and that's just that that's a very like monotonous type of life. The and rat I, race, yeah. It doesn't yes, the rat race. It you don't get to engage certain parts of your brain in doing that. And like there's a part of you, I think, that you end up missing out on that art can really kind of flourish and bring out. So yes. when you when you're talking about this kind of stuff, it just made me think of the importance of me doing things like this podcast that I get to create or which I haven't done in a long time, but I used to love to write fictional type things and things, ideas that I had. And I just haven't done that. I've, I've wanted to pick that up. And maybe as the kids get a little bit older and more independent, maybe I'll have more time to do that. But there was something I always used to love about going and sitting down at a coffee shop with a computer and sipping my coffee, listening to my music, and then writing whatever was on my mind to write about. And I don't get to do that at work. Whatever you're engaging, whenever you do that, I don't get to do that at work. And whatever I'm Usually if I think about ideas about the podcast, the idea for the podcast itself was very, it just kind of fell out of my brain where I was thinking, boy, it wouldn't be cool to do a podcast because I loved listening to podcasts and I was learning so many things listening to podcasts. And the more I listened to podcasts, the more I realized I didn't know and that there were so many more things for me to to learn and know about. And, And then I got really frustrated for several of the years just that everybody... 
there is it's just so much anger out there and so much contention and so much stuff when you're when you're trying to learn something you think about oh let me go to the news let me go like listen to this interview where they're talking to the specialist but then those things just ended up being like contentious and everything and then you find podcasts long form co- podcasts where people are just sitting down it's like i actually want to learn something yes and i probably have something that i can learn from you let's have like a what do you call it a um respectful conversation yes um, and so I was like, I would love to have respectful conversations with people that can teach me something that I don't know. And people used to always call me Lance a lot. And then I love, I love legend. I love myth. And I, I always loved the story of all the different stories of Arthur growing up. Yeah. And so literally just one day Lancelot's round table. And I was like, that's a brilliant name for a podcast. Not something I was like pouring over. It just kind of popped in my head, mm. but that's just a fun thing to engage in, whatever that is, where you get like a simple idea into your head. And then from that, essentially, all of this came. Yeah. And so like you just never know when you start pulling on a thread like that and you have like an, in- an interest and you decide to like maybe follow that yes. line, um, what what might come out of it and how. I mean, you talked about, you know, putting things out and like giving something to somebody and the gift that it has, like, so you produce art and you give it to Brandon Mm -hmm. that has a, a a positive benefit and that positive benefit to Brandon. The blessing spread. Yes. And that's huge. Yes. And so the fact that you have the power to do that and to affect somebody's life positively. So anyway, that's the end of my rant was longer than I thought it was going to be. So I would love to hear your guys' closing thoughts. Um, I think that you are an extremely creative person, but I don't know how much you know that. Probably not at all. And I would say, I've known you for a long time. I think your book, this podcast, and maybe other things you've done that I haven't known, your creative side, it's the side that doesn't have the pressure to produce. It's not... Mm. It's not the nine to five. It's mm. not the rat race. It's not any of those things. It's your purest expression of yourself. And however any of you choose to do that and whatever visual arts, whatever art it is, I'm just telling you right now, if you love to sing, whatever, pour yourself into it because your life has changed. Mm. And I think you should do an episode of how your life's changed since this. Cause I imagine it has, cause you got a garden out here yeah, and you drop some money on some equipment here. So yeah. it's really a passion of yours. Yeah. But what I'd like to say in closing, besides thank you. And I can't wait to come back is uh, yes. just that just, it doesn't have to, it just explore the art side in your life. Mm. Whatever makes you feel creative, writing a script, photographs, clay, doing ceramics, whatever it is, explore it. It doesn't matter your level. It doesn't matter your education. It doesn't Mm. matter your color. It's all about that free spirit inside of you, that free part that you got to let out and it will let you live and you will grow. And in my case, you will be healed. Mm. And so that, that's the main thing I want to get out. And there's another artist. I'm going to call him your childhood, the childhood artist you didn't know for those who are 30 and up. Mm. His name is Gordon Elmore Keefe. He, gave, he brought to us the street of yesteryear at Coside. He bought oh. to us the nativity that's downtown, downtown at State Auto. Mm-hmm. And so, so, so many, many other things in this town. He bought, he did all the decorations for Lazarus, the talking mm. tree at mm-hmm. Lazarus. Yeah. And I helped manage him. His son passed away in April, and I helped his wife manage in all his artwork. So look up Gordon Elmer Keefe on Facebook. I helped run that page. And just until I see you guys again, keep creating and going for that inner peace. That was great. Thank you, Tony. 
and Mr. Jenkins. Actually, a few things. One of the dogs barking out in the background, but uh, that's my stomach burning. <laughs> <laughs> Question for Tony, because you said you, you only do like what Facebook groups for a dead artists, yeah, or something like that. What about dead artists who are dead on the inside? They feel Ooh, dead on the inside. That's everybody now, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> do something for them. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Lance, you mentioned how you like to write, or in the past, if you ever like to write screenplays, there's a Columbus Independent Filmmaking Group that I'm a part of. Really? And yes, and there's, and, a, and a there's a subgroup of that. There's like the writers group. Uh-huh. They get together and write scripts and stuff. So I don't know if you ever like to write screenplays or stuff like that, but there is a group for that here in Columbus. That's so. that's cool. I've never even tried. I've always been fascinated and would love to learn how to write a screenplay. And is that for a movie or a play or both? Is that the same thing? Yeah. Um, for play, it's... Um, I forget the term now. But, I don't. Uh, but yeah, basically... Mm. Uh, you could use the term for both. But, but more, it's more for movies. Got it. That would be so. what I would be more interested in. So yeah. yeah, and we have our own YouTube channel. So the you and you and well, Tony the, do? no, no. I'm sorry, we the, the coming group soon. Part, the Columbus Independent Filmmaking Group that I'm a part of Got has it. its own um, YouTube channel. So got it. Okay, where okay. can people find your 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 band? Uh, What's the name of your band? Oh, the band I'm in with Andy Kramer is Silas Sunday. S I G H L E S S. Okay. S U N D A Y. Um, and we don't really have any social media thing going on. Um, we typically play at the London Strawberry Festival, London, Ohio, once a year. Huh. Tony actually came to our show back in June at the London Strawberry That's Festival. Right. I was the brown guy in the front, rocking out. <laughs> <laughs> They were like, you like this music? Yes, no, that's me. (laughs) It was wonderful. They were all looking at me smiling. I'm like, that's my boy. (laughs) (laughs) So there's that. But um, yeah, then the other thing I was going to mention in my closing thoughts, uh, something I brought up in the very beginning that I should probably mention now, uh, the AI, (laughs) artificial intelligence. There's now neural networks that create art. Uh, so there's a website called artreader.com where you can create a free account on there and go on. They can actually upload pictures and just use other people's art and then train the AI to make new art based off that. So it's kind of like, I would describe it as like with the way neural networks make art. It's like if you asked your computer to draw a picture of a cat and the computer's like, well, I don't know what a cat looks like. And you give it four or five examples of what a cat looks like. And then it makes a new picture based off those old pictures, what they look like. So the new art kind of looks similar to the art you give it because it's learning from that. It's being trained by those examples. But you can create new art from that. And how I found out about it was I saw an article several years ago on uh, computer-generated faces where you have, I don't know if you've seen this or not, but there's people, I mean, there's pictures of people that they look real. You think these are actual people, but it's all computer-generated, and these people don't actually exist. So I wanted to get more into that because it's kind of scary yet interesting. Yeah. Uh, So I found out about this website through that, and then uh, some of the artwork created by the computer on this website uh, looks very realistic. Some of it looks like a sketch. Mm -hmm. So you can do, like, portraits and landscapes and stuff like that. So, wow. And then, um, so you can actually create art all the time through, through that. And then are you familiar with NFTs, non-fungible tokens? Mm-mm. So that's probably a whole like, another podcast there. But it's like the new thing for, for people to make money. You can turn art uh, basically. Digital. Digital. And then you can kind of like certify it and then use the certification as like currency, basically. Yes. It's very, there's a clip I can show you that. Talks about later, but um, so you can create art and then create like an NFT based off the art and sell that NFT. And the highest one went for sixty nine million dollars. Yeah, you can make serious money, but it's very cost prohibitive. So most people wouldn't make money at all. See, so like, does that is, is does that mean that it's like a, an NFT? So that that that's like a digital 
validation of the thing that was created, and so it's unique in that sense? Yes. Yeah. So it's non-fungible, so it's unique as opposed to like regular currency, like the dollar bill in my pocket and the dollar bill in your pocket. The only thing different is the serial number. Yeah. Otherwise, it's, it's, all, it's all interchangeable. But with NFTs, everything is unique. Like there's only one Mona Lisa in the world. So you could like create like, well, he's saying that maybe. He's like, you could like, totally take a, like, I don't know. <laughs> So, you know, you create a piece of art, only that's the only example of that, or that's the only piece right, that exists right. of that art. So you could, like, create an NFT, a non-fungible token, like a kind of like a yeah. certificate yeah. of authenticity, yeah. I guess is probably how you And you own it, it online, Brandon. Yeah. You can get it printed out. But what happens when there's no electricity in the world again? <laughs> that's another, well, we don't want to be a podcast like, to talk about when it. there's no there's electricity still paper art, there's still. in the world. That's right. So it's basically when, like you have art. I mean, you create a certificate of art- yes. authenticity, and then you sell that certificate of authenticity to other people. That's you can right. then sell it to other people and trade it like cash. That's right. But it's, it's a singular thing that can't be duplicated. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. yeah. Yet. Can't be duplicated yet. No comment. Interesting. Actually, and also the, another thing to talk about in the next podcast about art would be the art um, forgeries that are out there. Oh, yes, yes. Get into forgeries. A whole nother world. Very a whole fun. new world. Very fun. Aladdin style. All I know is that Mona Lisa was stolen for almost two years. And, that, that was back uh, in like 1919 1911. or 1911. All I'm saying is two years, you could do a lot of oh, stuff. Yeah. Is there one that you can, is the one that's in the museum that you can go see, is that the real one? Uh, I would think so. Allegedly. <laughs> I would say so, yeah. Okay, all right. I was just curious about it's that. there. If you zoom in, you don't see the dogs playing poker. Um, no, <laughs> but you would find something in her eyes. Leonardo put the the year he painted them in their eyes. I never allegedly, yeah, allegedly. I had a whole sheet on it, but we'll we'll come back. All right. Well, I definitely want to have you guys back. Absolutely, we'll schedule it out, figure it out. But guys, thanks for coming to Lancelot's Roundtable. It was a great discussion. Learned a lot, and can't wait for the next time. <laughs> <laughs>